With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Vikings Nation. Welcome to Purple and Gold for Days, where my friend and yours, Mr. Justin Day, dives headfirst into the Purple and Gold universe, delivering the latest updates and commentary on your favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings. What's going on, everybody? This is Justin from Purple and Gold for Days, and this is a Vikings First and Scold production. Where should we start today, ladies and gentlemen? Well, prepare for takeoff. Justin Jefferson is going to be back. And I'm only going to touch on this a little bit. Injury or no injury. Hey, it's done. It's over. And we're moving forward. Now, we're going to talk a lot about the quarterbacks, but I'm going to say this. Justin Jefferson, I predicted on my last show that you're going to get to 1,200 yards, which means you need a little bit over 600. I don't think you had any nefarious uh, agenda. I don't think that this notion of you sitting out because of your contract was anything but a bunch of malarkey, so to speak. But what I am going to say is better show out now. There's people on your case now. And that's all right, because those people can be dumb and say, oh, Justin Jefferson was mad about his contract. No, he's not. He just wanted to be healthy. So that's fine. But at the end of the day, Justin Jefferson, you ain't got Kirk Cousins. And the Kirk stands want to say, Oh, well, Justin Jefferson's only as good as he is because he's got Kirk Cousins throwing a ball to him. Okay, we can stop the cap there. But at the same time, it ain't going to be as easy as it was with Kirk Cousins. You're going to have to be the leader. Josh Dobbs, Jeremy Mahomes Hall, Nick Mullins, whoever the quarterback ends up being, and we'll discuss that in a moment. But for right now, you got to be the leader. You got to lead by example. You got to do everything and then some. 
show the world that you are the best wide receiver in the NFL, the best wide receiver on the planet Earth that you can play with any quarterback. Yeah, there's going to be some accuracy issues. But as Justin Jefferson did say when he was on the sideline and asked the question, hey, uh, what do you think of Josh Dobbs? Oh, it's great to see a guy who can extend the play. All right. We're going to backyard football this a little bit if we end up going with Hall or Dobbs. All right, let's backyard football this. Let's backyard football this. Get your yards, man. I know everybody wanted to talk about 2K, and I said from the beginning, 2K is not going to happen, and that was before he got injured, and I know he was on pace to do it, but it was not the best thing anyway because you need to get other players involved. So Jordan Addison, he stepped in quite well the first four games without J.J., but he ain't caught a touchdown the last couple of weeks. He ain't done much the last Yeah, he's got some receptions, and yeah, that ball over his head out of bounds could have absolutely been a better throw. But we need Justin Jefferson out there just to get Jordan Addison back involved and get him into a better rhythm. You know, everybody want to talk about the rookie wall. I don't know if it's the rookie wall so much as it is you're playing with your fourth-string quarterback and Justin Jefferson's not out there. So is it really a rookie wall so much as that, or is it just that teams realize we can't run the ball? We don't have our starting quarterback and we don't have Justin Jefferson. Who's the biggest threat left? Yeah. Jordan Addison and DJ Hawkinson. So at the very least, having Justin Jefferson out there should allow the offense to run more smoothly, more smoothly. I don't know if that's grammatically correct or not, but the point is Justin Jefferson, you got to make that impact. And I'm not saying you have to have 10 catches for 200 yards and three touchdowns every single game. That's unrealistic. Even with Kirk cousins. But what I am saying is you got to make an impact. You can't be a guy that goes out there for four catches for 25 yards. Now, yeah, if you get eight targets and four of them are off target, okay, you can't help that, so to speak. But you have got to bring the equipment. You've got to show out. you got to be the guy that motivates your team that says, hey, we got five games left. We're six and six. Let's run these games off, get into the playoffs, and let's do some damage. So hopefully – Justin Jefferson will be able to help Josh Dobbs a little bit. Maybe he'll actually open up some things for the running game or all of the above. And maybe just maybe the biggest thing that I, and I'm going to talk about KOC when I talk about these quarterbacks, but the only thing I don't want to see is don't be forcing Justin Jefferson, the ball just to force Justin Jefferson, the ball. You have to be a cohesive offense. This defense has given you everything it possibly can. And then some nobody, in their right mind, expected the defense to be this good this year. I said going from 31st to maybe 20th would have been a reasonable expectation. They're around the 14th best defense right now. And yeah, they've got one touchdown in the last two games, and you've gone 0-2. So this comes back to the offense, whether it's Justin Jefferson, whoever the quarterback may be, Kevin O'Connell, offensively, we need to bring it the last five weeks of the season. Yes, you got two road games coming up, and then after that, you're going to be indoors. You got Detroit indoors, Green Bay indoors in our house, and then indoors against Detroit again. So after these next two weeks, we're going to have pristine conditions. Nothing about weather, wind, rain, snow, whatever. After these next two games, offense got to be firing on all cylinders. That's just my thoughts. We all know the topic at hand, and that's the quarterback carousel. Now, I said that on Thursday, my first choice would be Jeremy Holmes Hall. Why? Because he has the most balance. Nick Mullins is boring. He's safe. Oh, well, he can run the offense the closest to what Kirk can. I don't care 
You're the head coach. You're supposed to use the best player and use their ability. So I don't want to hear about how we're going to play Nick Mullins because he gives us the best chance of being able to run the same offense that we use with Kirk Cousins. That's just dumb. If you've got options that have higher ceilings, I don't care that they've got lower floors. You are going for broke. You are six and six and you're trying to get into the playoffs. And so you want to protect the playoff berth at all costs. And I get it. You're probably under some directive from Ziggy and Mark Wilf that says, hey, our first priority, even if we go one and done, is to get into the playoffs. Yeah, getting into the playoffs would be great. Don't be wrong. I want them to, if at all possible. I'd also like them to be in a position to actually do something if they got there. And Nick Mullins, well, he might not turn the ball over as much as Josh Jobs. Maybe not, but Nick Mullins has a propensity to turn the ball over too. I think his touchdown to interception ratio is like 27 touchdowns and 23 interceptions. So let's not pretend that Nick Mullins is turnover averse because he's not. Nick Mullins is just as capable. Now, Josh Dobbs looks a little worse at it because he's been on 52 different teams and the way he goes about it. um, Yeah, okay. But again, I'd rather have Hall because while he doesn't have as high a ceiling as Josh Dobbs does, he also doesn't have as low a floor. Now, again, Nick Mullins has the highest floor. And then after that, I would say Hall. And then after that, I would say Dobbs. Dobbs has got the biggest range. Dobbs' floor is way down here, and his ceiling's way up here. And then here's Jared Mahomes Hall, and then here's Nick Mullins. I don't want the safe guy. But a lot of the media is thinking that they're going to go with Nick Mullins because, you know, he's the closest one to Kirk that we got. To that, I say fooey. <laughs> to that, I say yuck. That's trash. It's a loser's mentality. Let's go with the safest guy. No! Let's go with the guy that gives you the best chance. Well, if Nick Mullins doesn't turn the ball over and he gets the ball out, he's going to be the best one for Justin Jefferson. How do we know that? Somebody explain to me why we think Nick Mullins is the best to utilize Justin Jefferson. Oh, because he's the most accurate. Okay. So he can throw seven, eight-yard patterns better than the other two guys? Maybe. Okay. But what does that get you? No, I want the most bang for the buck. So that would be Josh Dobbs. And so, again, Diana Rossini said, her, uh, I believe it was Sunday, uh, yesterday, that from what she's hearing, it's going to be Josh Dobbs. Here's why I'd rather go with Hall. And I'm not overreacting to just one good series in Atlanta before he ended up getting hurt. What I am reacting to is that he has been in the building all summer, and he's been throwing passes to Justin Jefferson. And he's been throwing passes to all the wide receivers, and he knows the playbook better. So it is kind of a catch-22, but it goes back to what John Madden always says. When you have two quarterbacks, you really have none. But when you have three, you have, like, none and then some more none, if there is such a thing. But what I'm going to say is this. I would go with Hall because, again, I think he's better than Nick Mullins, and I think he's better than Josh Dobbs insofar as I don't think he's going to turn the ball over as much. And, oh, by the way, as I have said multiple times, by the end of this season, I want to know what we have in Jaron Hall. It's not earth-shattering news, and it shouldn't be that complicated. Jaron Hall was your fifth-round draft pick. And yes, oh, he was designed to only be the third-string quarterback all year because you didn't anticipate Kirk Cousins was ever going to get hurt. And if he did get hurt for a couple of games, you would have gone to Nick Mullins. And if Nick Mullins hadn't hurt his back, he would have been the starting quarterback in Atlanta and not Jaron Hall in the first place. I don't care if that's what the plan was back in July and August. I don't care. I care about the here and now. You can talk about all you want about what was going on and what was going through your mind back in July and August. Things change. Your mindset changes. More evidence of the present. And in the present, Jaron Hall, hey, 
You can say Alexander Madison was wide open on that deep pass on the sideline. Yeah, so was uh, Jordan Addison. And all I know is Jeremy Holmes Hall hit Alexander Madison and Josh Dobbs missed Jordan Addison. He has one play, a couple plays here and there. Can't make swooping judgments on that. But again, Jaron Hall gives you the mobility. Now, is he as fast as Josh Dobbs? Probably not. No. Is he more accurate than Josh Dobbs? Yes. So to me, Jaron Hall is the guy who is in the middle when it comes to mobility and accuracy. I don't want an immobile, accurate guy, and I don't want a mobile, inaccurate guy. I want the guy in the middle. I think that gives you the best chance for the playoffs anyway, since that's going to be the edict from the owners, because that's all the owners want. The owners want us to be in the hunt for as long as possible. If they make the playoffs so much, the better. That's that's they play for today. They look at one year at a time. What is the best outcome for this season and this season only? They don't they're not all that interested in the long term viability. Now, truth be told, I think Quasi Dofamensa wants Jaron Hall to play because he was his draft pick and he wants to know what he has. So he has information as to whether he should be drafting a quarterback in the first round next season. At the end of it, I think it's going to be either Josh Dobbs or Nick Mullins, and I'm leaning towards Dobbs. And all I'm going to say about KOC on that is this. If you're going to go with Josh Dobbs, you're not going to go with Nick Mullins, and you're not going to go with Jeremy Holmes Hall, then you dang well better utilize his skill set. I get it. You don't want a guy that's just going to play backyard football because that's only going to get you so far. You have to have some semblance of being a pocket passer. I understand that. I do. But don't try to go from zero to 100 miles an hour as a pocket passer. Call more rollouts. Call some design runs. And I don't mean the design runs of the have TJ Hawkinson take the snap and do a pitch to your quarterback. No, have your quarterback take it out of the shotgun, have him fake pitch it this way or do the read option this way or whatever else, but utilize his skill set. Roll him out to one side. Well, that cuts off half the field and the defense can adjust to that. Then let him adjust to it. I'm not saying roll out every single play, but what I am saying is you didn't do any rollouts until the fourth quarter against the Bears. You did it once or twice. You do that once or twice a quarter. Okay, once or twice a quarter is not going to give your game plan away to the defense. Get him in rhythm. Let him get some nice, easy completions and then take your deep shots. Now, again, if that deep shot on the first play to Jordan Addison, if he had come down with that catch, the whole game butterfly effect probably would have been different. I get that. But if you're going to go with Josh Dobbs because you like his ceiling, and I agree with the thought process that he has the highest ceiling. I do. But what I am going to say is that doesn't mean you try to shoehorn him into being a pocket passer. If he had been here all offseason, like if we had traded for him in the offseason and got rid of Nick Mullins and just said, okay, we're going to go with Kirk Cousins, Josh Dobbs, and then Jared Mahomes Hall, fine. Then he would have had all that time in the offseason working with his teammates, getting more acclimated with the playbook and all that other good stuff. But you traded for this guy a month ago. You've just got to roll with what he can do well. You can't be doing this dipsy doodle. I'm going to try to make Josh Dobbs a pocket passer. There's a reason he has been on 52 teams in a league of 32 teams. Okay, I'm joking. But my point is, there's a reason. He just is what he is. He's a nice, solid backup quarterback. He's the kind of guy like Nick Mullins where if Kirk goes down for three or four weeks, you hope to go 500 with him until Kirk gets back. And by the way, that's exactly what he's done. We were four and four with Kirk. We're two and two. Without Kirk, say what you want about the turnovers here and there and all these other things. Well, it's not Kirk's fault. I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm just saying the reality is they went four and four with him. And they're two and two without him. 
Now, the way it happened leaves a lot to be desired because you played two halfway decent defenses in the Falcons and the Saints, and you had your two highest outputs of scoring of the season, and then you just absolutely crapped the bed against the Broncos and the Bears. Again, your defense gives up one touchdown in two games, and you go 0-2. I'm just saying, KOC, you're supposedly this mastermind of offense. Some people doubt that. Okay, show us what you got. You had two weeks to do your self-reflection with this bye week. You had two weeks in between games. Do your self-reflection. Go study in the laboratory and watch the film and figure out what works and what doesn't. Well, what doesn't work is making Josh Dobbs a pocket passer. So if that's the guy you're going to roll with, fine. It's not my first choice, not my last choice. Again, my choices would be Hall, Dobbs, and then Mullins. Actually, it would be Hall, Dobbs, the bones of Kirk Cousins, the bones of Dante Culpepper, and then Nick Mullins, but I digress. All I'm going to say is if you're going to play Josh Dobbs, then you got to do a better job. And again, you now have Justin Jefferson back. So that should give you enough to be able to go at least three and two, if not four and one. I'm going to run down through the schedule here, give my thoughts. Again, I'm probably going to reevaluate it next week because right now I don't know who the quarterback is. And for anybody who I've had a few people ask me, well, how come they haven't told us who's going to be the starter? Well, there's no point. You really want to just look at who gets more snaps in practice. That'll give you an indicator. But no, they're not going to say Josh Dobbs is the starter or Nick Mullins is the starter. Why would they give the Raiders that competitive advantage? No, they're not going to say that. But all I will say to wrap up this topic is this. I would go with Hall, and I anticipate there to be about a 2% chance of that happening. I'd be very pleasantly surprised, but I'd be utterly shocked. So if Hall's off the table, I go with Dobbs, and I say KOC, use him to the best of his ability. The one thing that makes a good coach is like, let's say you're a defensive coach. Well, I run the 4-3 or I run the 3-4, and I don't care what my personnel is. I'm running my system. No, you mold your system to your players. Ed Donichel didn't use his players the right way all last season, and we got away with it because we got a lot of clutch stops, some clutch turnovers at the end to seal games, and that's all well and good. And, yes, this defense has done the best that it can. Uh, all props to Brian Flores, as we have said a multitude of times. Again, this defense has done its job. And realistically, we got six losses, and they've all been one-score losses. And we've got 24 turnovers on offense, 24 through 12 games, to a game. You can't win in the NFL with that many turnovers. And I know there have been some games where you didn't have any, or maybe you had one, and other games where you've had three or four. And yeah, Josh Dobbs could have had like six interceptions, and not all of them were his fault. The one off Jordan Addison's hands, not his fault. But if you're going to go with Josh Dobbs, use his skills. Utilize him. Utilize him in ways to get Justin Jefferson the ball and to make the offense more smooth. And maybe, just maybe, we can actually have a running attack. Heaven forbid. Is it safe to say we all miss Kirk? Of course, it is definitely safe to say that. Absolutely, Lemmy. But here's what I'm going to say before we go any further, just for the record. Nothing that has happened this season changes my mind about what to do about Kirk Cousins after this season is over. I move on. That's not Kirk hate. I'm not being a Kirk hater. I'm not... You know, not giving him his props. I've given him his props when they are deserved. And he was playing at an MVP level before he got hurt. And yeah, is it safe to say we probably win those two games against Denver and Chicago if it was Kirk Cousins? We're sitting here at eight and four instead of six and six, six and six. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm going to say it like this one more time. This needs to be Kirk Cousins last season with the Vikings. And I'll tell you why. Number one, 
You got to give Justin Jefferson a contract. Number two, you bring back Daniil Hunter long before you bring back Kirk Cousins. You have to re-sign Christian Derrissaw to his first bag. You don't have enough money to go around to give those three players what they need to be retained as well as retain Kirk Cousins. You just don't. And for anybody who needs a reminder, Kirk Cousins has $28.5 million of dead salary cap hits that are scheduled at the moment as 10, 10, 4, and 4 over the next four seasons. If he is not retained, all $28.5 million go on to the 2024 salary cap. Now, if they were to re-sign Kirk Cousins to a one-year deal, let's just say $40 million, his cap hit would be 50 because that first 10 that I talked about would be added to the new $40 million. So his cap hit would be 50. You cannot afford Jefferson, Derrissaw, Daniil Hunter, and Kirk Cousins at 50 million. Well, well, what if Kirk takes a massive discount? He's not. He's not going to, nor is he obligated to. Kirk Cousins isn't obligated to give anything back to the Vikings. Absolutely not. Well, Kirk said he was going to take a discount. Yeah, he was going to take about a $5 million discount from 42 down to 37. He wasn't going to give like a $10, 20000000 million discount. So, yeah, if Kirk Cousins said, I'll come back and I'll play for $20 million so my cap hit is 30, I'm listening to that. It's still not what I'm really going to go for because I'll tell you this. Take the name Kirk Cousins out of your mind for just a moment. If the Vikings were going to sign a free agent quarterback who is going to be 36 years old, coming off an Achilles injury, we wouldn't want anything to do with that quarterback. It could be Tom Brady. It could be Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning. No, I don't want a quarterback who's 36 coming off an Achilles injury who was already immobile to begin with. And you want a guy who's coming off an Achilles injury? Talk about a statue. So when I put all of that together, 36 off an Achilles injury is going to add $10 million to whatever his salary is. As far as his cap number goes, I'm not interested. And Oh, by the way, even if Kirk said I'll play for 20 and his cap hit is 30, that means the other 18 and a half million that would be dead on 2024 salary cap would now be dead on 2025 salary cap. At this point, I'm just wanting to move on because I want to get that salary cap debt paid. Good question though. Lemmy. absolutely good question, but do we miss him? Yes. And again, I was looking forward to seeing what this season would have been with Kirk Cousins in its entirety, for better or for worse. And yeah, we finally have a decent offensive line in front of him. And yeah, we finally have a decent defense. And of course, that's the one year he gets hurt. That's just the Vikings way, <laughs> you know. But all I'm going to say is, uh, yeah, I would have loved to have seen this season play out. Would I feel a lot better about our chances of winning this division with Kirk Cousins? Of course. Would I think that we would have a better opportunity to do some damage in the NFC playoffs? Of course. Playoffs. Yeah, I know. I've done this one a few times. But that's all right. At the moment, the Minnesota Vikings are currently the sixth seed in the NFC playoffs. We all know that. But they are tied with about, what, three or four other teams, if I recall correctly. They got the six and six Green Bay Packers, Rams, Seattle Sea Chickens, who are falling off the map. And they are only one game ahead of Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, who owns a tiebreaker on us. I'll say it like this. You've missed your opportunity to really have a good shot of winning this division. Is it over, over? No, it's not. Because the Lions, we've seen that they are capable of crap in the bed. They started off so hot yesterday and barely hung on because the Saints are just terrible. But the Lions, they got the Bears. Then they got the Broncos. Maybe the Broncos can give them a game. And then they got the three-game swing with us, the Cowboys, and us again. And, yeah. If we split those games, the Cowboys beat them and maybe the Broncos beat them. Yeah, we have a shot at this. We have a shot, but it's going to be tough. 
And again, part of the reason I would love to win the division is so that you don't have to play either San Francisco, Philadelphia, or Dallas in the first round. Because here's how this is going to go. San Francisco is either going to be the one or the two seed. Philadelphia is either going to be the one or the two or the five. And the Cowboys are going to be the one, two, or the five. Those three teams are locked in for all intents and purposes. I know Detroit is only one game behind Philly and our tie with San Francisco. I don't care. Uh, San Francisco and Philly are going to pull away, as will Dallas. And again, Dallas and Philly play each other. So if Dallas gets the win, they could very easily be one of the top two seeds. So we got to take one, two, and five out, 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 off the table. They're just not going to happen. And we can take four off the table as well because the Falcons or the Saints are going to win that division and claim the four spot. The last thing you want to do is be that seven seed because then you're either going to go to Philly, San Francisco, or Dallas, and you ain't winning. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, well, we beat San Francisco. Yes, at home without Debo Samuels. I know we didn't have Justin Jefferson. San Francisco has figured it out. Okay? They figured it out. Yeah. I'm not saying we wouldn't have zero chance against Philly and Philly, but I don't like our chances. So you got to hold on to that six spot if you can't get up to the three. Because I don't think you're, you're not catching Dallas. With five games left and you're three games behind, you're not catching Dallas. So the bottom line is this. I never thought I'd say this. When we beat the Green Bay Packers, I thought they were dead in the water. They're not dead in the water. They've got it all figured out. That game against the Green Bay Packers on New Year's Eve, that could be for the playoffs. That very well could very easily be for the playoffs. And don't sleep on the Rams. They looked good yesterday against a real good defense in the Cleveland Browns. Matt Stafford has got it figured out. Now, they got some injuries, but their defense is coming around too. Seattle, like I said, they're kind of falling off. And by the way, Seattle, I'm really not too much worried about anymore, uh, particularly after the last couple of games, because here's their schedule. At the 49ers, home against the Eagles, at the Titans before getting the Steelers and Cardinals. So again, that's at least two losses for them. So I, I think Seattle's going to fall off the table here. So you're really talking about three teams for two spots, us, Green Bay, and the Los Angeles Rams of Anaheim. Ram schedule, just for the sake of conversation, just to wrap this up here. At the Ravens, going to be tough, but then they get the Commanders, the Saints, the Giants, and the 49ers at the end of the season. Yeah, watch out for the Rams. Now, Green Bay, the ones we got to really worry about. Now, again, we got two spots, so it's not like it's us or them, and that can't, and that's all there is to it. But Buccaneers at home, at the Panthers, before getting us. I'm sorry, the Giants, the Buccaneers, and the Panthers. They could easily be 3-0 and in those games. They could be at 9-6 and when they come face us. And then they got the Bears after that. We are the most, we're the toughest on their schedule left. They could, even if we do beat them, they could be 4-1, and which means we got to go 4-1. and So it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be an absolute dogfight, ladies and gentlemen. And we have only ourselves to blame. We kicked away that game against Tampa Bay, kicked away a game against the Chargers. We're competitive against Philly. We're competitive against the Kansas City Chiefs, but I don't mind them losing those games. They're good teams. I know Kansas City's just kind of meh right now because of the standard they set for themselves, but these two games against the Broncos, the Bears, so that's four games. Again, they could easily be 10-2 and right now, but alas, they've given away their margin for error, and we don't have Kirk Cousins, but we got Justin Jefferson back. My prediction, yeah, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I just really hope that they can keep that six seed because – you know, we got to go to San Francisco if they end up being the two seed or Philly or Dallas. Dallas, I'd give us about a 40% chance of winning. Philly, I say about 20, and San Francisco, I say about five. So you got to keep that six seed. So if you don't catch the Lions for the division, you at least hook them in the first round of the playoffs. Can they do it? Yes. My official prediction 
I'm going to say like this. If Josh Dobbs is our starting quarterback, I think we're going to go two or three wins. I think we beat the Vegas Raiders no matter what. Cincinnati all of a sudden is looking good tonight. So I got to chalk that one up as a, that's a definite non-win. So you get the Packers, you split with Detroit, you get the Raiders, you get to nine wins. That'll get you into the playoffs as the seventh seed for sure. But you get one more, you can go four and one, you can hold on to that sixth seed. And then, yeah, I'll take my chances in Detroit. Detroit or Detroit. Our defense, the way Brian Flores is going, again, you get pressure on Jared Goff for everything we used to say about Kirk Cousins under pressure. Jared Goff's even worse. Now, Jared Goff can do a little more sidestepping than Kirk Cousins can, and he can hang in there. Uh, quite a bit. I mean, that last throw to clinch the game was was ice in the veins. But I'll take my chances against Detroit. Absolutely. Absolutely. So those are my thoughts. Let me know yours. <laughs> Thank you kindly for joining me today. Please follow me on YouTube, Purple and Gold for days. And for now, skull to the next episode. You're listening to Purple and Gold for Days, a Vikings First and Skull production. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Thanks for listening.